Yes, ma'am. You're fine. You absolutely can. You're fine. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. God is good. As Sister T was saying, you know, it's there's so many times it's 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 just a step at a time a step of faith we were we were we were talking about that in regard sunday night as the spirit of the lord began to move in this house and different ones began just to obey the lord and began to march around this church and and uh call it, you know the we used to we used to call it a jericho march amen and folks just began to march around that around the church and and, and Sunday night, 
uh, it was it was said uh, it said you know when we take I said what is symbolized here is the fact is that uh, it's not always a march because victory or the answer is right there right there are times that that step that that represents a step of faith it represents a fact that I am moving in the direction of what I am believing God to do uh, something that the Lord reminded me of Sunday night I never did say it but on the way home I was thinking about it and we find that when God had spoke to Abraham and was making covenant with Abraham you might remember that Abraham had made mention of this fact. He said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And uh, he was moving in the direction of a promise and a covenant that God made with him. And Brother Torbert, there would be things that Abraham would never see. But God had told him, he said, wherever your foot lands... He said, if you will walk it out, he said, wherever your foot, whatever it touches, he said, I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants. And I want you to know is that there's times, you know, we, we think sometimes it's just a cliche, but how true it is. Sometimes it is just a step at a time. And sometimes, Sister Mary, it's not always clear of what's, what's involved in that step, but Lord, just help me to move forward. Amen. And what it is that, that we're believing you for. Thank God for this testimony. And I'm so thankful for the mindfulness of the Lord. Amen. I, I don't, uh, Ben, will it hurt your feelings if I just share quickly what, I, what you told me Sunday night? Benjamin was over here in this chair and he was there uh, praying. And uh, we, we, people were in the altars and just went over there. And I sat down by him and put my arm around him, just began to pray for him. And Benjamin just began to weep and weep and weep. And I didn't have any, any spiritual insight as to exactly. I was praying for his body, just praying for his mind, his emotions, and all those things. And uh, when he had finished praying, he leaned over. He said, Brother Jacob, he said, in my mind, he said, I just said, Lord, I want you to, I just want to know that you love me. I want to know that you're thinking of me. And he said, and he said, if you would, would you send somebody to pray with me? And, and he said, you know, as folks were praying, he said, a couple folks walked by. And he said, it, he said, it began to play on my mind a little bit. And he said, Pastor, he said, then you came over and you sat down by me. Well, before we ended that night, there was about 30 that came over here and was praying with him. And when we were done praying, I said, Ben... I said, you just ask for one. I said, God will send you 30. Amen. Just to let you know. Amen. Just to let you know. Praise the Lord. And the thing about it is we never can tell. We never do know uh, what's going on and what God is doing. But I can tell you this. God is doing. And God is moving. And God is working. Amen. His ways higher, far beyond what we can fathom or think. His thoughts deeper. And I'm glad. I'm glad for that tonight. Aren't you glad he's God and you're not? Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad he's God and I'm not. Boy, we'd be in trouble if I was. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I'm glad he's God. All right. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at verse number 57. This is something very familiar. 
And as you stand, we're going to read, hear the Word of God. We're going to look at verse 57 and 58. And uh, we have been spending time here on biblical foundations. And last Wednesday, we wrapped up uh, on the subject of baptism. And we had finished with the meaning of baptism and we had talked about uh, the symbolism of it and what, what, what we are identified with. And we were specifically looking at we are identified when we are baptized. We are identified with his crucifixion. We are identified with his burial. And we are identified with his resurrection. And so we were looking at those things. We finished that up with resurrection. Lo and behold, uh, I got a phone call. Uh, on uh, Monday from Brother Todd Hargis. Brother Todd was out in the field working and he called me and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, he said I need to talk to you. And there was a gentleman on his job who the topic of discussion was baptism. And uh, it was the fact that this gentleman had a particular view of the, of the thought that you, in order to be saved, you had to be baptized in their church in the way that they baptized, all, this, all these things. And, and we were talking about that. And, uh, and so Todd and I began to talk, and I went through, and, and I went through sermon notes, and I, was, I, I sent him some scripture and things. And then Todd and I talked again yesterday as he had further conversation with these gentlemen. And uh, I'm telling you, friends, uh, I said, I told Brother Todd, I said, Brother Todd, I said, if for no other reason that we've covered this subject, I said, for this right here, this is the reason. And so we've been looking at these things, and we've been uh, looking at these, uh, these uh, biblical doctrines, and, uh, not, and you've heard me say it, and I'll continue to say it, not only uh, what we believe, but why we believe it. And uh, because there's always, there's always things floating around, and there's opinions, and there's going to be people who want to talk and challenge and, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, argue or debate, whatever the case might be. And I'm not advocating for that, but, uh, but anyway, to know what God's Word says. And uh, so we are going to be looking here uh, for a few services, two or three services, and some would say, well, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know about this being a Bible doctrine, but we're going to look at this because it's going to usher in uh, one of the next things that we're going to be dealing with, uh, which is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to be using this as a, as a transitional piece going into that. Uh, but we're going to be talking, uh, preaching here in the next few services on uh, the victorious Christian life. Amen. And uh, uh, knowing the fact that God, how many of you believe God wants you to live in victory every day? Every day. And so we're going to be looking at some of these things. And uh, so tonight, if you will, here in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, starting in verse 57. It says, uh, Paul asks the question, what shall we save into these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. 
Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet, yet rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded... That neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's shouting ground right there. I don't care who you are. Praise God. And so tonight we're going to be looking at this. As we're going to be looking at victorious living. Amen. What? I'm so sorry. I look down here. I've got 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58. And I started reading from Romans 8. 31 through 39. Amen. Brother Udi, I'm glad you're paying attention. And, and if I was looking around, I would have saw. And they're asking because they was going to put it up here on the, on the screen. And so they was thinking, where in the world is, you know. I promise you it's not the NIV. It's, uh, I was just in the wrong place. So uh, anyway, so if you're making notes, it was Romans 8. 31 through 39. So anyway, and you can make a note because we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. I, and, and I should have caught while I'm reading, I said, well, that's a lot, lot to say in two verses, isn't it? And so anyway, praise the Lord. Well, we're going to keep the victory anyhow. Amen. I, thank you. I've allowed myself my one mistake for all year. Amen. We better pray. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, Lord, help us tonight as uh, you speak very clearly to us. I ask, Lord, anoint our hearts and ears to hear and receive my mind and lips, Lord, as we preach. And Father, let all things be done to bring you glory. Meet with us here tonight, I pray, in these altars. And we thank you for what you'll do. We do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Victorious living. Now, one of the things uh, that uh, we have, that we look at tonight in regards to this, let me say that as we have been covering some of these other uh, topics, some of these other very specific things, we have uh, covered the fact and knowing that all 
have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That our only hope and our only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious blood of the Lamb. And we've talked about the fact of what does it mean? What does it mean uh, to uh, not only to be born again, but uh, what does it mean to live a life as a believer? And uh, then, of course, we were talking about baptism and the fact of why do we baptize? How do we baptize? What does baptism mean? We've been looking at these things. And as we look at this, we must understand that we are confronted with our humanity and our sin. But we are not left uh, hopeless in that, Brother Eli, in the fact that there's nothing that can be done or nothing that there's no help or no salvation we're just doomed that's not the case in the fact that thank God tonight that God so loved the world amen in the fact that he gave his only begotten son so that we could believe on him and 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 have everlasting life and we were looking at the fact that he is a God of whosoever because we find that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and uh, as a result of that uh, as a result of salvation and, and as a result of, of our sins being forgiven, we find that there is a, a continued progress and a continued walk. And, and uh, here in looking at the fact of obedience to the command of Christ and baptism. And, and again, don't get nervous. I'm not going to re-preach all the things that we preached here in the last few weeks. Uh, but we see that there, is, uh, that there is the act of obedience and the act of, uh, of what it is to follow after the commands of Christ. And I, 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 I'm saying all of this to, uh, for us to understand this in the fact that when we look at uh, these, if I can use the term, these monumental moments in time, uh, these memorials, and what I mean by memorials, and the fact that uh, I know that I personally, and I'm not going to criticize anybody maybe who cannot, uh, I remember one time as a young man, uh, there was a sister who had said, uh, she, was, uh, she was talking about when God said, saved her and she said what I do know she said I was a young girl she said I was somewhere at seven or eight years old and now she was a, a, an older lady an older woman and she said my mind fails me in the fact I can't necessarily tell you exactly where I was in the church or anything of that nature she said but I knew for a fact that I was sincere when I had asked Christ into my heart. And she said, from the time of a young girl, she said, I have, I have made a dedicated decision. I have, I have served the Lord. She said, I'm glad to be able to testify that I have served Him all of my life. But when I talk about these spiritual memorials, these uh, markers in time for us, I, I can tell you I, I, uh, that the house doesn't stand there anymore, but I was saved on my bedside at 1572 Lakeside Lane in St. Louis, Missouri. I, at 11 years old is when I when I knew when I when I knew that I was born again. God had dealt with my heart, and I asked Christ into my life. I can take you to South Roxana Assembly of God, and I can show you where I stood in the altar when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I could show you the step that I was praying on that. 
14 years old when I knew that God called me into the ministry. Uh, there's, there's these memorials and these markers and these things in my life. And what happens is sometimes is, is that we have these wonderful uh, moments in time. We have these spiritual memorials and we can point to and we can remember and I thank God uh, that we can and I thank God for those moments and I thank God for those times. But can I say tonight that I believe not only do we need these things to happen, we understand that, we don't dispute that, but can I say tonight uh, is that we as a church, I believe more than ever before, we are finding in our church age now and especially in the in a younger generation, it seems that, that everybody is living for a particular moment. We are living for a particular time in a service. We are, we are hoping for just that right revival. We are hoping for that one message. We are hoping for that one time in the altar. And thank God for a wonderful revival. Thank God for a wonderful Sunday. Matter of fact, I mean, Sunday uh, around here this past Sunday, it was amazing. I mean, God just moved from the morning through the night. Uh, uh, it was just a powerful day in God's house. And, and uh, it's one of those days that just for, uh, for a few days, you just kind of keep soaking in it and keep thinking about it and meditating on it. That's wonderful. But here's the situation. If Sunday is gone. Sunday is gone. And Sister Laura, I have had to make a decision Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And should Jesus tarry, Brother T, as the week goes on, I've still got to get to next Sunday. Amen. And it's going to take a daily decision and a daily walk. And so what I'm trying to say tonight is I thank God for moments of victory, moments of power, moments where undeniably we have seen God move and we've seen God minister. But I'm telling you, friends, we have a problem when we are just looking to live from a moment to a moment when we have to understand that what Christ did for us when he died for us. And not only did he die, but when he rose again for us and when he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father for us and said, I will not leave you comfortless, but behold, I will send the comforter. Amen. And, and he will come and he will be in you. Hallelujah. And, and he will lead you into all truth. And he those things were done for us. Listen, not just to have another moment, but I have to live in victory, not just on, a, on one or two Sundays, Sundays out of the month. We can't just have shouting ground one or two Sundays out of the month or a particular Wednesday night service. I need to consistently serve him and these things have been done through Christ so that every day I can walk in the strength of the power of God and that you and I can have a life of victory and not a life 
life as to where we are always on a spiritual and an emotional roller coaster that produces inconsistency, that produces a powerless life. But may God call us back and help us to remember and realize everything He did for us at Calvary, everything the Word of God has promised, every bit of power that's been made available to us. It's so that Sister Linda, every day and every moment of my day, that in my heart, in my mind, in my life, in my words and actions, I can serve God with integrity. I can serve God with an upright character. I can serve God and live out His will every day. Every day. We are desperately, desperately in need of everyday Christians. Amen. We got a... We got enough, we got plenty of CEOs. You know what CEOs are, don't you? Christmas and Easter onlys. Amen. We got plenty of CEOs. We got, we got plenty of folks that, that as to where, you know, I, 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 and I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth. It ain't nothing to, I mean, you can't hide it. It's just, it's just the fact. We've got plenty of folks. We're going we're gonna to see them there, there one Sunday out of the month. We're going, to, we're going to see them on their particular Sunday or whatever the case might be. And uh, some would say, well, Brother Jacob, I mean, you've got to be careful. You can't start tying people's faithfulness in their daily living in accordance to their attendance to church. Why can't I? Why can't I? It's a good telltale sign. Come on here. It's a good time. I could tell, I could tell my pretty wife all day long, I'm married to you, I love you, you're the love of my life. But Sister T, if I only show up once in a while, if I only come around once a month because she's cooking my favorite meal or making my favorite dessert, I'm going to tell you, she's going to have some questions. It ain't, we, there ain't going to be a whole lot of happy days in there, I'll tell you right now. Amen. And some would say, well, Pastor, this is you. You're just getting to meddling and you're just worried about church attendance and all those things. You're right. I am worried about church attendance. I talked with a gentleman two days ago and he was telling me that where he lives, he lives up north there in Illinois. And he said, Brother Jake, he said, you wouldn't believe. He was telling me of two other Pentecostal churches. Their doors are closed. There was another one that the building is getting ready to go up for sale. And he said, I don't know what's going on. And he said, all I can tell you, he said, I've tuned in. He said, I've got online and I've watched some of y'all services. And he said, all I can say is thank God for the fact. Amen. It was Sister Jackie who came in here. Some of you might remember her from a couple weeks ago. She was here and her husband was working at a refinery in town. And she said, I began to look around to see a church that I could attend on a Wednesday night. She came in here. She passed by our sign, saw our Wednesday night service. When she came in and 
introduced herself. She said, you wouldn't believe. She said, I think y'all might be the only church in Beaumont. And I know that's not true. But she said, I think y'all the only ones in Beaumont with a midweek service. And can I tell you, that service that night and the other nights that followed, I can promise you was life-changing moments for Miss Jackie. I'm going to tell you right now, the church being open and people being in God's house and people being here to worship and people being here to serve and people being here to give and people being apart to pray one for another. Yes, it's important. Yes, it's needed. Yes, we need more preaching on it because I will tell you there is direct correlation as to how you prioritize God's house is a good indicator as to how you prioritize your living for him throughout the week. Amen. Keep preaching, Brother Jake. Okay. Listen, if you came back after Sunday morning, I know. I know you're here for. I know you're with your pastor. Woo. Hallelujah. Listen, as we grow in our walk with God and find ourselves being made into his likeness daily, being made into his likeness daily, we must realize that God has called us into victorious living every day, on a daily basis. And what does this phrase mean? Well, when we talk about victorious, victorious living, sometimes it is best to tell you uh, what something is not for you to get a better picture of what something is. And so what is a non-victorious Christian? Or let me, let me play, uh, apply it like this. What does a defeated Christian look like? Now understand when I use this terminology, I am not using in the sense that you're not allowed to have a bad day, a down day, a time you're upset. A time where there's thoughts or fears. Or that, that's, a part, that's a part of the human experience. That's a part of what's going on. But when we talk about living in victory, there is a difference when we allow those things to control who we are, what we are, and how we're going to serve God. Too many times we allow those things to take precedence over our relationship with God. And so therefore, a defeated Christian, just let me, if you will allow me, just to share some of the things that I jotted down here. A defeated Christian is insecure in their salvation. They are constantly yielding to temptation. They are unhappy. They always seem to be ungrateful. Peace seems to be elusive due to the lack of obedience to God's voice. Because there's a wrestle, there's a struggle where your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. But yet God's trying to make an appeal and call you into a place of obedience. The defeated Christian has an unyielded heart. An unyielded heart. Victory is not elusive or beyond our grasp, but neither can we gain it or keep it by our own efforts. The way to power over sin, power over temptation, power over
yourself. It has to come from not only claiming but living through Christ and in him that provides us victory over Satan and it provides us our help and our strength in our daily living. When we were looking here in Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39, amen, let's be very clear again on that. Paul had said, he was saying there's all these things going on around us and I'm just going to paraphrase here for a minute. He said there's all these things here around us. He said, but I'm going to ask the question. He says, I know you got some stuff. I know you got tribulation. I know there's temptation. I know you're worn in your flesh. I know there's these things going on. He said, but what are you going to say to it? What are you going to do about it? How are we going to conquer this? Friends, I want to tell you tonight that when we are up against these things, for a Christian who is living a victorious life, I want you to understand, I am not defining that, that you think you're living in revival 24-7 or that you've been up on the mountaintop and got the ten tablet or the ten commandments on the tablet and you're coming down and I mean just everything's or that you're walking on water like Peter did or that you or that you came out of the fiery furnace with no smoke on you there's some days been I'm in the fiery furnace and I didn't have that kind of victory I come out and I got my hair singed and, I, and my, my clothes smell like smoke and, and I've been burned a little bit come on here anybody besides me been in a few places where you wasn't the man or woman of faith and power that you hope to be absolutely because we're human because we're imperfect and every single time I have come to learn is that if I am going to have victory and what does victory look like it is not like some of these golden tongue fellas that stand in pulpits and tell you that it means that your bank accounts full and overflowing or that you got properties all over or every kind of car in your garage or that you never had a bad day. Those are guys that's trying to sell you something. That's somebody trying to sell you on an idea and motivate you. But I'm going to tell you tonight child of God, victory is going to come and victory is going to be evident in your life when you have been through the muck and the mire. Oh and Sister T, you've been on your knees and you've been in your prayer closet and fear comes up against you but you still say I'm going to take one more step I'm going to keep believing in faith and you see the fruition of what it looks like when you got a praise report I want to tell you church don't you be surprised when you got a fight don't you be surprised when all of hell comes up against you because that's the only way to victory you can't have victory without a good fight. Hallelujah. The problem is we've got participation trophy thinking. We want God giving us things that we ain't ever had to go through anything for. We want victories and we want successes and we want our family saved. You, you want them backslid children saved, but you don't ever want them being mean as rattlesnakes. You don't ever want them rolling their eyes at you. Don't want them in the bar. Don't want them in this. And I, I can understand the natural tendencies of, of course, Brother Jacob, we don't want those things to happen. But I'm going to tell you is that there is not victory 
that is just in the sense that it's coming on a silver platter and you haven't had to pray and you haven't had to war and you haven't had to seek God and can I tell you it's that there's times friends that the wind's going to be knocked out of your sails there's times sister Faye where we're praying and we're wondering and waiting and is the answer going to come what's going to happen of this and sometimes in our impatience sometimes in our waiting sometimes Gloria when the answer's not just right there in front of us sometimes I'll even tell you this there are times that God will speak something to you in a service and you may not see the fruition of it until months or years down the road and sister Mary what does victory look like it's the child of God that'll say I'm going to keep holding on to that promise if it's one year two years three years but I'm going to I'm not going to back down I'm not going to give I might shed some tears I might have some frustrating days but if God promised me the victory the child of God you can claim it and stand on it Paul said what are you going to say to these things Can we quit every time something comes up that we've got to lose our salvation? Can we just stop that? I'm asking pretty please. Can we just quit? Can we just quit that every time it didn't go your way that you just, I just don't know if I can make it. We testify one Sunday. If you don't ever do anything for me again, bless God, I'll keep on serving. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because you let one thing fall apart. You let one, th- one prayer not go the way that you want to go. And you're just, you're, it's just over. We're done. I'm quitting. I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Right? And so I'm asking, seriously, can we just, can we just quit that? Did you notice that there is, a, there is a correlation to a child of God who does not live in victorious living? It is also a sign of the fact that it is a child of God that is not maturing in their faith. They're not maturing. They're not growing in their faith. We'll pout. We'll have a bad attitude. We'll set out, cross our arms, pucker out our lips. Be mad at the whole world. Be mad at everybody. I'm just telling you, we, listen, time's too short. We can't be fooling around with this stuff. And what Christ has done for us is so much greater than us walking away or quitting or, or having a give up attitude over such petty things. Petty things. And so, therefore, when Paul said, he said, what shall we say to these things? This Paul, he had every right and every reason to really challenge a church. Because why, Brother Keith? Paul been through some stuff. Amen. Paul didn't show up in town to preach revival or establish a church, Sister Linda, and say, where's the Hilton Hotel at? No. You know what I believe Paul did, Brother T? He'd go down to the jailhouse. He'd take a look around. He'd go shake hands with the jailer. How you doing there, brother? Uh, my name's Paul, and I'm going to be uh, spending a little bit of time with you here in just a little bit. Come on here. 
When Paul would... When Paul would change his clothes, I want you to imagine, if you will, there's bone spurs and there's bruises and hematomas on his body that Brother T still hadn't healed from the last time he was stoned. There's, the, there's scars on his back when he was beaten with rods and when he was whipped. There was times that he was emaciated because he hadn't eaten. There was times, Sister Shan, he said, I didn't have enough clothes. There were times, Brother Gary, he fell amongst thieves. There were times he was in the he wasn't on the love boat, but he was on a ship that was going down in the sea. Paul had some experience. Paul had some reason that if he wanted to, Brother Chad, he could say, It's been a bad day. I think, Lord, I'm going to quit doing this preaching. I think I'm going to quit writing these letters to the churches. I think I'm going to stop doing this because this just don't seem to be working out for me. This don't seem but no Paul said he said what are we going to say to this and I want to challenge the church tonight there are some things knocking on your door there are some things going on in your mind there are some things your family's dealing with what are you going to say to it Paul said I'll tell you what I'm going to say if God be for me then who and one preacher said or what shall be against me Paul said all he's asked me to do is obey and he will take care of the rest. If I will walk in obedience and yield my life to him, he will see me through to victory. The other problem is, is this. You and I have romanticized ideas of what victory looks like. We're looking for utopias right here. We're looking for, and, and, and let me just say this, let me, I think it's very safe to say, and we, we, we have been saying it for years now, but really in 23, let me just tell you, the families that come into this church, the folks that walk through these doors, these are not the families of the 50s. It's not. I'm just telling you. Pastoring and ministry, it's, it's different. It's different in 23. It's different in all of this. There's, there's. There's, there's, this one's connected to this one, and Sister Linda, this one's had this problem, and there's been this thing going on, and, and, and we just, we, we look at folks, and, and Brother Hemp Hill, there's just, their life sometimes is like patchwork, you just, you don't know what somebody's been through, you don't know what's been going on, Sister Jackie, who I was just talking about, she was telling some of the church folks, because she was here that Wednesday night, she went to Night Strike Friday night, went out to eat with a bunch of the church folks that was there, and she was sharing with some, and she was what, nine months? Months, something like that. Am I, am I right? Nine months sober. Who remembers? Was that right? About nine months sober. And Miss Jackie, she came in. And, and, and uh, Brother Ben, she ain't going to look like she came out of Bible school. She ain't going to look. And, and what I'm trying to say is this. Is that there are people and not just them that come in. And, and But in your family, all of us could testify. I'm going to tell you, there's parts of my family that don't look like a storybook. There's parts of your family that don't look like a storybook. There's parts of your past and parts of who you are. And does it mean? 
But, but, what, but what, what does it mean? Because we have this idea that victory means all that stuff's cleaned up. All that stuff's right. I'll tell you this. God can take things and he can turn it around and he can make it right. But I'll tell you is that there's still some things that families, you will have to live with certain consequences. There's certain scars that there are. There's certain things that's just a part. But can we still make it? Can we still overcome? Can we still live victorious? absolutely I'm here to tell you because the things that hell showed up with and said I'm going to take you out I will kill you and your family off I'm going to cause such pain and such embarrassment you're not going to recover from it but thanks be to God that victory comes Paul said he said who is he that can charge anything to God's elect because it is Christ who died and it is Christ who justifies He said, who is it that condemneth? He said, because we've been set free. We've been been justified and and washed in the blood. And so I say all this to say these things. Christ is the one who through him has provided the way of salvation. And it is through him that no matter how broken, how messed up, how embarrassed, how shameful things were, I serve a God that can still pull somebody out of the pig pen set you on a path restore your soul and bring victory into your life I want to tell somebody victory's messy it's messy it's hard sister Kelly it's hard and that's why in our own efforts and merits in ourselves we can't But it's got to be through Christ. It's got to be through Him. It has to be as we yield ourselves, surrender ourselves to Him. Paul begins to list these things. He says, he said, Christ is the one that died. He said, yea, rather, let me say it like this, is risen again. Why did he point to that that fact? For the simple fact that the story didn't end at death in the grave. Hallelujah. But he rose again. He rose again. And he's at the right hand of God. Listen to this. He said, what does he do there? He says, he makes intercession for us. He told Peter. He said, Peter. He said, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you, Peter. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith would fail not. Notice he didn't say so that you wouldn't fail. He knew Peter. I mean, Peter just came fresh off of denying him. Cussing around campfires, cutting off people's ears. Right? I mean, just Peter was a wild man. Peter was... Uh, had the propensity to always put his foot in his mouth. Amen. All these things. And and Christ said, I'm praying for you, Peter. And he said, that your faith fail not. In your humanity, you're, you're, you're weak. As a matter of fact, his name meant small stone. Right? Now, there are, I don't have time to get into the theology of it all because there's churches such as the Catholic Church that believe this next statement means that Peter was the precipice upon which the church was built upon. 
but, but it's not, the, not that. Christ was using us as an example. He said, you're a small stone. He said, but upon this rock, I will build my church. Who is that rock? It was Christ. In other words, Peter, in yourself, you're, in yourself, you're small, you're unable, you can't, you can't do it. I'm praying for you that your faith don't fail. He said, but upon this rock, who I am, he said, we're going to build this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you notice in the context of these scriptures, Brother Eli, we find that victory is promised to the believer. It's promised. It's like the old adage, some of you have heard this before. And I've had to remind myself, and I've told others this before, Brother Tobin. God will pull you through some of the hardest things you've ever been through. It's just you've got to be able to stand the pull. He's promised he would do it. He's promised that he would. But Sister Gloria, can you stand the pull? Will you align yourself? Will you keep yourself in step with him, knowing that it's only through him that's to where victory is going to come? Because victory has been promised. It has been promised to the believer. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58. I told you we'd read it. You already read it. Thanks, Sister Anna. You can be dismissed now. <clears throat> so now, let me read it to you. How about that? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. How? Through your church membership. Through your pastor. Through your, I mean, with the list, no, 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 no. It says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sister Mildred, these words were, were written long before you or I or anybody else in this building came into existence. But the word of God being true, undisputable, infallible, perfect in all of its ways. God was able to say, here's a declaration that I'm going to make. This is what I'm going to say by way of the Son, by way of my only begotten who came and died and bled and, I, and rose again and sits at my right hand. He said, he said, this is what can be said. He giveth us the victory. Brother Gary, he says, I'm going to give it. I'm going to make it available. It is there for the taking. It is there for the child of God. Before you ever were born, before you ever made a mistake, before you ever made a mess, before you ever came up against that trial or that trouble, God's word had already declared, I'm giving you the victory. I'm giving it to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren. He says, let me give you a key. He says, victory is there. This is what you've got to do. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God spoke about Israel and he said they are hard-hearted and stiff-necked, right? So, 
in, in, around my hometown in Missouri, the, in Elsinore, the little community of Elsinore, it's the Elsinore Redbirds, is the school's mascot. And when you go through Elsinore, there's Redbirds, you know, Redbird, big Redbird painted on the gym, and there's Redbirds on the signs at different places and things of that nature. In Poplar Bluff, which if you're going to direct somebody to Elsinore, you normally have to say, do you know where Poplar Bluff is? Because it's the big city. And so if you can get people to know where Poplar Bluff is, then you can direct them to where Elsinore is. Because Elsinore is in such a way, Brother Aaron can tell you, you'll see the green sign on the highway. But if you blink, you, you just will drive right past it. You just, you'll miss it. And, uh, but in Poplar Bluff, their mascot is the mule. And, and I got tickled because I, I you know, growing up even, I, I've heard of a lot of, of mascots. The Crusaders and the Knights and the Eagles and the Falcons and the Lions and the Tigers and the Bears. Oh, my. Some of you will catch that in a little bit. But I thought, who in the world goes into Poplar Bluff afraid of the mules? Watch out. It's the mighty mules, right? Until, until you've dealt with the mule. Come on here. Stubborn. Have you heard the term? Stubborn like a mule. And the mascot had got them big mule teeth and his brows are furrowed, but those hind legs are kicking up. Stubborn. In other words, you might be the bears and you might be the mountain lions and you might be the tigers, but you got to deal with the stubborn head of the mule. Some of us were as stubborn as we can be on certain things. Can I ask, wouldn't it be good if one more time we got stubborn about spiritual things? Wouldn't it be good to get spiritual about your salvation? What would happen if you'd get stubborn about getting to church? What if you'd get stubborn about obeying the voice of the Lord? What if you'd get stubborn about saying, I don't care what anybody else is going to do. I'm going to worship God. If I've got to do it by myself. But the problem is we get stubborn for the wrong reasons. We get stubborn over childish things. We get stubborn over immature things. And therefore we fall into these traps of just this cycle of living a defeated Christian life. And there's no sense for it. Christ promised us the victory. And it's for us and through us. And I'm running out of time. Brother Danny, if you'd come. As I said earlier, we are too often enamored with moments of victory versus a daily walk. I came across this today and I thought, man, just, just how fitting is this for what, what we're preaching here. And there's, there's a lot to cover, but we're going we're gonna to be looking at in the victorious life, the enemy revealed. You, you will be victorious in the fact that God lays out before us who the enemy is, what he does, how he works, how he operates. And so we have been given the, the answers in the book of what we can be prepared for, who we're dealing with. We're going to be looking at some of those things, but let me just read this to you. It was just this little quote. It says, a Sunday shout is great. But it can't replace 
a daily walk. When the children of Israel were marching around Jericho, Brother T, when we preach that, we'd like to get to the climatic point where they shouted and the trumpets blew and the walls fell down flat. Boy, everybody gets all excited. But there was one shout, but the rest of the time they were walking. And don't get me wrong, you know, Brother Jake, I'll shout with the best of them. I love to shout. I, I, they're, they're, to me, there's nothing like when the Spirit of God's moving in such a way, and you, I just can't control, can't contain it, it literally feels like. But Brother Hemp Hill, there is no substance to that if I can't daily walk with Him. We can run around, we could shout and dance, we can march, we can hoop and holler, it feels good, don't get me wrong. We needed that service Sunday night, and it felt wonderful. But Ben, it is all for naught if we can't wake up Monday and walk in victory. If we, ain't, if we can't serve God the way we're supposed to serve Him. And so church, I challenge us tonight, I, I, not I, but the Lord, the Holy Ghost to deal with us in the fact that you can live in daily victory. Victory over sin and temptation. Victory over the wiles of the devil. Victory over his tactics and schemes. Victory over, let me say this, the things that are self-inflicted wounds. Our thoughts, our words, our things that sometimes when we're not breaking away from that if we're not walking away from it sister Kimberly testified tonight she said she said it can be little things but if I'm walking in, in disobedience then I'm then I'm in disobedience no way around it there's some things that we just we choose brother Segura we choose to or not to and we've got to deal with that consequence but there's victory for the child of God victory for us can we bow our heads tonight father I thank you once again for every heart and every life. I do give you praise and thanks for your word. And I'm thankful tonight. You have already promised us victory. And I pray that you would challenge our hearts and deal with us, Lord, that we learn to submit and surrender ourselves. What shall we say to these things? These things are going to be against us. These things are going to come up. These things are we're going to war against. All of these things. But what shall we say? Here's what you said. Here's what your word said. That we are more than conquerors. And that nothing should separate us from the love of God. You said ours is the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must make up a mind to be steadfast, unmovable. God, give us a spiritual stubbornness that we're willing to dig in and anchor in, that we're going to walk with you and that we're going to commit ourselves, Lord, to obedience of your word, to the obedience of your spirit leading us, dealing with us. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. If that's your heart tonight, can we come into these altars and can we find ourselves a place to pray?
before we leave this house. Can we come and say, Lord, would you challenge my heart? Lord, would you deal with me? Lord, would you speak to me in such a way? Would you show me, Lord, in some areas where I've allowed myself, I've allowed myself too much liberty. I've given myself too much excuse. I I found myself wavering. I found myself where maybe I'm, I'm more unpredictable than I am steadfast, where I'm more in and out than what I am consistent. Lord, where I'm where I, I, I'm more, I'm, I'm not keeping myself in a sustained place. But Lord, I, I, I'm slipping and sliding all over. Lord, let me be unmovable. Help me tonight. Challenge us tonight. Oh, Rabbanabosah.